Hey, welcome to the Eat Local CNY podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Trinkel, and in this week's episode, I'm sitting down and talking with Tim from the Taylor and the Cookout in Utica. A very special shout out to our sponsor for this week's episode, Sriracha Q's, with their new Sriracha Box. The Sriracha Box is the club for foodies who love heat, flavor, and Syracuse. Now you can enjoy a taste of the hometown heat and flavor delivered right to your doorstep no matter where you live. Each Sriracha box features popular sauces from Sriracha Q's and includes favorites like Maple Garlic, Maple Ghost, Empire Beer, and Recess Coffee, Syracuse Wing, and Spicy Barbecue Sauces, along with the spicy specialty foods from other local Syracuse, New York artisans. You can head over to SrirachaBox.com today to get your hands on a Sriracha box subscription. That's S-Y-R-A-C-H-A-B-O-X dot com. And a very special offer to all you Eat Local CNY podcast listeners. They are offering an exclusive $10 off the first subscription box that you order when you use code EATLOCALCNY10 at checkout. That's EATLOCALCNY, the number 10 at checkout over at SrirachaBox.com. So do us a huge favor. Head over to SrirachaBox.com today and get your hands on this very special and unique subscription holidays are around the corner now's the time get that shopping get that buying out of the way head over to srirachabox.com today listen this week this week this is coming out to you in october on the 7th and this friday october 11th we are having our huge party for the eat local cny card over at ibu brewery in mattydale it's Friday from 6 to 9 p.m. Tickets are $30. We're going to have dinner available from one of four food trucks. The area's only motorcycle ice cream cart. So excited for that. Helping Hounds is going to be there with some rescue dogs for us to hang out with. And a huge band, Los Blancos, is going to be playing live. Tickets are $30, and you can head over to eatlocalcny.com to get yours today. For $30, you are going to get dinner from any one of the four food trucks, two beers from inside IBU, and you're going to get the new Eat Local CMY card. It's such a great value, and we hope that you can be there, but you got to go over to eatlocalcmy.com and pick up your tickets today. Well, I think it's amazing when a local company decides to take its resources and its time and put the attention not on themselves, but on other people in the community. And Sun Auto Group, if you didn't know, is currently having their 40th anniversary, and that's a huge accomplishment for any business. And instead of having some massive 40th anniversary weekend sale or month-long sale like you typically see from a car dealership, Sun Auto Group has decided to take its time and its money and its resources and put the attention on 40 individuals all across central New York who are making a difference in the world and in their communities. So I wanted to give a quick shout-out to the Sun Auto Group I was able to hear just some of the stories of these 40 unsung heroes, and they're just absolutely amazing. People like Nick Murphy, who is a professional fitness trainer here in Syracuse, who helped a local man lose over 400 pounds and did it all free of charge. There's so many other stories that are coming out, and I can't wait to hear all of them. You can head over to sun.gives backslash heroes to learn more or follow them on Instagram, and you can even submit your heroes to have their stories told. Follow along at Unsung Heroes of CNY. 
We'll have both those links in the description notes so you can check them out there. But Sun Auto Group is doing such an amazing thing for their 40th anniversary. And I hope that you follow along and hear some of these inspirational stories. Well, without further ado, here is my conversation with Tim from The Taylor and the Cook. It's become, you know, yeah. more saturated. You want to make sure that you're doing it better than the next guy. Yeah, you didn't sure. go into business to be second best. Right. I exactly. didn't either. Yeah. Nobody does. And if you do, then <laughs> yeah, why are you doing it? Right. You go in to do it to be the best at what you do. Exactly. Some people make it. Some people don't. But you're going to do a better, yeah, better recording than the next guy. I do the same. Yeah. I, you know, I didn't go in this to be when I first started Eat Local four years ago. It was in my parents' living room. Somebody in Syracuse had this thing called Buy Local Syracuse, and uh, they sold memberships, annual memberships, and promoted local businesses on their website and tweeted about them. And they had like 20,000 Twitter followers, which is huge for the area. And he wanted to sell the business for way too much. Um, My parents, for some reason, thought I had money. I didn't. And... (laughs) They said, do you want to buy it from him? And we'll kind of, the three of us will kind of work it. And I said, no, but we should do the same thing, but just for restaurants. And so it was a bad concept. We started, we sold annual memberships, put them on our website, Facebooked them, Instagrammed them, you know, um, put all the money we got for the memberships back into the business. And after a year, dropped that model because it just did. We had like 50 restaurants on board, Uh but I don't know what we actually did to help those restaurants grow. You know, it was like, great, you were listed on our website, but people still went to Google. Right. You know, and so it's it. And then there was a year of just Instagramming and not even selling anything at all. And then a friend of mine in Cincinnati came out with a business that did the card. Okay. And that didn't work out for him, but he wound up not getting along with his partners in it. And then they took over and then they just haven't really done anything. Um, but I saw the idea and I was like, I was working up in Watertown one day at my previous job, bored out of my mind, thinking about what I could do for eat local that would be different. And I was like, Oh, Brandon did that thing. I should call him. So I messaged him. It's like, Hey, can I talk to you? And sat on the phone with him for four hours asked him everything about how he did it and how it worked. And he was like, you're in Syracuse, man. If you want to steal this idea, go for it. So very cool. Yeah, there it was. How about that? Yeah. So still trying to find those unique ways that I can be better than others in the area. Right. Were you commuting back and forth to Watertown? No. So I worked for Metro Mattress for 10 years. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. I worked in the furniture industry. I'm, th- I'm only 33, but I worked in it since I was 15. Wow. Yeah. And um, so for them, I used to work in Buffalo for them. I used to actually, I started in Utica. Okay. Uh, yeah. That was the store I got. Yeah, I remember in. it. And I would commute there from Syracuse. But 
yeah, Watertown I would do here and there, and I would, you know, commute back and forth. No kidding. Uh, Buffalo, I stayed in, I did that for like six months. Wow. Stayed in hotels, and uh, we joke about it all the time, but um, my fiance, I'm getting married next month. Oh, cool. And um, uh, two months into our dating relationship, I got transferred to Buffalo. (laughs) Great. (laughs) I would drive out there on my Monday and then work like 12-hour days and then come home on my weekends. And yeah, it was a bit of a nightmare and somehow it worked out, you know, but yeah. So yeah, so that's, uh, we got started in Utica for that. And uh, but no, so that's kind of what the car did. And, you know, I try to like, I don't want to be, I try to balance myself between seeing what other Instagram food promoters do and right. wanting to beat them. And also thinking there's space for even more than there are now. Sure. You know, and if they're getting the word out about a local place, then great. I mean, that's the goal. I just read this article. I think it was in Rochester or maybe it was in Buffalo about uh cereal bar. Which I don't even really know what that is. What a cereal bar is? Yeah, but... It's like those Lucky Charms, you know. You see no, no, no. Like a, the restaurant called oh, a the cereal c- Oh, okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, like, so I guess they're serving cereal and probably coffee. And, oh, and yeah. So one opens up and then like six <laughs> months later, another one opens up across the street. Really? And like every... It's a it's a big thing about how it's going to... How contentious it's going to be. And they actually came out and like they're, they're friends and they're supporting hmm. each other. And That's and, awesome. It, it was an interesting little article. I guess it was in Rochester, huh. and uh, so they they had that idea where like you know we can be we can exist in the same area. Yeah, that's cool. But you know, still be serving the same market. Yeah, I guess. You know, when I did when I started the Instagram account, there was like three people that Instagrammed food in Syracuse. Now there's like fifty. You At know? least, right? Yeah, it's all it's you know crazy. Do you is there? Is there anything big in Utica where they do just that for the Utica area? Not yet. You know, Utica is consistently five years behind yeah. Syracuse and ten years behind everything else. <laughs> um, so no, you know, we've got um, there's the Maiden Utica crew that does some yeah. really good things, but they do not focus just on food. Yeah, um, they do have some, you know, kind of focuses mm-hmm. on food, but um, they they kind of span all aspects of of life in utica yeah you know it's funny you say that like utica's five years i'm sure i know you're i don't think you think it's exactly five years behind syracuse but i would think think that the tailor and the cook was ahead of syracuse in that regard for what you do people say that to me we draw a lot of people from syracuse i'm sure yeah people say that to me all the time that like they come i actually have people from syracuse who say there's nothing to eat in Syracuse. We love coming here. And I'm thinking to myself, we drive to Syracuse all the time Dude. for dinner. Well, we have a toddler at home now, so not as much as we used to. But my yeah. wife and I, it'd be nothing for us to hop in the car and come to Syracuse for yeah. dinner. So I, I, I appreciate it when people come to Utica for, for that. But I totally disagree that like that really? I've got a list of restaurants that I need to hit in Syracuse on yeah. my phone. Hmm. And I I, there, I wouldn't say that there's nothing to eat in Utica either. Yeah. You know? But uh, we... Syracuse is a bigger metro market mm-hmm. and uh you know there's just more there's more to it you yeah. know Utica is a smaller city 66,000 right. people and and you know if you include New Hartford that gets a lot bigger but mm. New Hartford you know we just have a lot of chains and and yeah. uh you know big box restaurants that right. um so there are a ton of really great locally owned restaurants and more and more popping up but I yeah. feel like that we do not have anywhere near the mm. the the 
breadth that, that Syracuse has. Yeah. I guess if I think about like some of the old school places like Elderberry Pond and things like that, yeah. then yeah, for sure. Like, you know, they were, they've been around for a while. Sure. Sure. I think of like the, um, popular spots that are doing great stuff. And I mean, Defi, you know, is, yeah. uh, I don't know. Maybe I'm, maybe I just don't know enough about the history of it, but Defi, I feel like is one of the first restaurants in Syracuse that was really doing something truly unique. Um, and then you had a mono that popped up, you know, just shortly after that. Yeah. And, you know, now you have St. Urban, you have Eden that just popped up, which is out of this world. Amazing. Yeah. But you started in 2015, uh, 2012, 2012. Yeah. We're coming up okay. on our eighth anniversary. Wow. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, it, I guess it was uh, a little, um, I, I guess we were a little bit forward thinking, but it didn't seem like a really um, outlandish idea, you know. Yeah. The one thing that I saw was that farmers markets, and also at that time there was a buying co- a cooperative in Utica yeah. called uh, the Food Shed. And those two, the, our local farmers markets, like Syracuse, like the regional market, are just booming, you know? And I thought, why isn't anybody serving this food? You know, like, why isn't there any, any form of a restaurant, you know, doing farm to table? So I, certainly everybody knows, even, even eight years ago, the idea of farm to table was not a, a foreign concept. Yeah. Um, and it just seemed like a logical thing for us to do. We did not know how much we could do in the way of farm to table. So when we opened, it was far different than it is today. Yeah. I think I had two or three local proteins and, you know, quite a bit of local produce, although we opened in February. So, you know, I was buying what I, uh, you'll hear me use the word commodity a lot. It's a dirty word, but it's how I differentiate the difference between if I have to buy something locally, if I'm fortunate enough to buy something locally, or if I have to buy something like lemons and limes and don't get local lemons and limes. So I consider that a commodity purchase. Um, I don't like things that are commodities. I don't think that food should be considered a commodity. Um, but I do need lemons and limes. I am not 100% (laughs) local. Um, but when we opened, I don't know, I never had a time to really weigh things out, but today I'm about 85% locally sourced in my perishable inventory. Um, hundred percent of my proteins are local, which is, that was the, the biggest hurdle that I wanted to get over. It took me seven years to do it. It was only just this past year that I got all my proteins locally and and what was some of the biggest challenges with that um well so when we opened we wanted to be we wanted to be fine dining mm-hmm. i wanted to be the 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 highest end hmm. experience in the city i wanted to serve that market there was a bunch of great restaurants but they were all fairly casual mm-hmm. um and but i wanted to be high end without being stuffy and uh, one of the things that we put on the menu in, when we opened was filet mignon. A lot of people had told me, you got to have that. You know, it equates with, it equates with a, a good fine dining experience. <laughs> I couldn't disagree anymore. Yeah. But I wanted to make sure that I had offerings for Utica. And I wasn't sure how, I wasn't sure if they were going to go for the local thing. So we put things on there that I knew were good bets. Yeah. And one of them was a filet mignon, tenderloin of beef. And it has been consistently every week our best-selling <laughs> entree for 
a long time blows, for the whole time. That blows me away. It's it's disappointing. Yeah. But we do. I mean, I do the best I can with it. Yeah. You know, it certainly tastes good. I mean, I, I, that would be the last cut of beef I would I would personally choose. Yeah. Same here. I just no flavor. No. We went to dinner. Uh, my Rebecca is from Boonville. Oh, really? No yeah. kidding. Her dad is a big animal vet up uh-huh. there, and that's where they grew up. And her parents and her sister still lives up there. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, cool. And uh, Rebecca is a dietitian. That's so she works for the state, and she's a part of. She's one of the teams that does the surprise inspections at nursing homes. Oh, really? Yeah. And Interesting. so she, she's in the Utica area quite a bit. Okay. Um, I think just because there's so many, you know, out out there. Yeah. Um, that that's where she spends most of her time. No kidding. So she was out there this week, this past week. Uh, it was her mother's birthday. And so I drove out there and met them for dinner and I, you know, texted her mom and said, you know, where do you want to go? And she said, I had just had friends that went to ocean blue and they said they loved it. So let's go there. Uh-huh. It's like, okay, I've been there before and went there. And the only thing on the menu that really, I mean, there's different appealing things, but the only thing that really seemed the most appealing, even though I knew it was a bad choice, was the filet mignon. Uh-huh. And it was not a good choice. <laughs> but just, I mean, there's a number of reasons why. Sure. One of them is because it's a filet mignon. Yeah, right. I can't stand not it. Not their fault. It's just the, it's the cut of beef, yeah, right? Yeah. I can't stand it. And I <laughs> wish I didn't order it, but I did. Yeah. So many people love it, though. I mean, it's just equated with being the best. You know, it's it's yeah. to me, it's like a lobster tail too. Yeah, I I don't give a hoot about a lobster tail. I really don't. It's just doesn't. I like lobster. I like the the knuckles and the claws yeah. and the legs. I like to suck on the legs. Right. You know? A lobster tail to me, it's like it's somebody along the line said this is you know haute cuisine or this is the <laughs> best and a filet mignon and a lobster tail and. But anyways, going back to that filet, I, I, I sold so many of them. Hmm. There was no beef farmer that I could find that could keep up with me. You know, I mean, think about this. If I'm selling 60 filet mignons a week, yeah. that equates to about eight tenderloins hmm. or maybe 10, depending on the size. Yeah. So let's say it's 10 tenderloins. That's five cows slaughtered on the week <laughs> to keep up with my tenderloins. That's crazy. I don't serve burgers. I'm I'm not yeah. buying the whole animal. Right. I can't I can't do that. Yeah. You know. So I don't serve the burgers, hmm. and nobody could keep up. So that means I'm buying commodity beef. Yeah. And for about four years, the only protein that wasn't locally sourced was that tenderloin, hmm. and it just it really <laughs> burned my rear end and. I thought about taking it off the menu and, and the service, the front of the house was like, you can't do that. You can't take it off. And finally, um, you know, the market is the de- supply and demand is always, a, a, is always at work. And, uh, I've been doing business now with about for about three years with a company called Killcoin farms. They're out of uh, Hudson falls. So, uh, over towards Albany, um, North of Albany. And, uh, they are a big producer. They're what is referred to as a finisher. So he doesn't grow the, the cattle from beginning to end. He purchases, you know, let's say teenage cattle or, um, and then finishes them um, in a way that I really like what he does. You know, it's not grass-fed. Um, and grass-fed is difficult, you know. Um, some people don't like the flavor of, of grass-fed meat. It can be, you know, pretty, pretty intense. So he's a finisher. Um, he finishes them on a really nice mix of grains and alfalfa and um, peas and, and uh, corn, of course, and, and uh, he fattens them up 
And then he brings them to market and he can keep up. And so I'm going through, you know, I buy eight to 10 tenderloins a week from him. And, uh, it's the most rewarding thing that I've ever pulled off is to now, because it really, it was really counterproductive to what I was doing to be buying all that regular old beef. I don't want to do that anymore. I wanted to take it off the menu. It was, you know, because I do what I do for a bunch of different reasons, but one of them is, is an ethical decision to, to know my farmer and to have a relationship with my farmer. And so buying that beef was just a real kick in the balls all the time, you know, but it was the best seller. So I finally figured that out. So this year I became a hundred percent locally sourced proteins. I love it. I'm really proud of that because it took me, it took me that long to figure out the equation. It took that long for the, the market to, you know, I'm not a big restaurant, 400 people a week. You know, that's how many people I serve, which is not small, but it's certainly not large. And there's restaurants that serve that in the night. Those restaurants serve that by seven o'clock, you know? Um, So to, to say that the market is now at a place where, you know, it it can keep up is keep up with my needs and then the other ones too, you know? Yeah. I feel like, you know, Utica to me also kind of has its connections to that, like Albany Hudson Valley sort of, um, uh, roots or whatever. Yeah. Where Syracuse, I don't feel like, like, just far enough away yeah yeah and so there you can get some great local stuff down towards albany yeah and poughkeepsie and you know hudson all those areas that to me still seems local for utica and here in syracuse wouldn't feel local whatsoever right but amazing amazing stuff sure sure you know well and i draw my my definition of local is new york yeah right i i cannot you know I can't make it too small because I need to get what I what I uh, what I need to get to 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 please my customers and to make it a, a really awesome experience. You know, my duck comes from Long Island because that's the only place I can source the duck that I need. Everybody's, you know? I think, if they're doing anything right. good, it comes yeah. from yeah, yeah. And you know, but I've got you know, my beef is is Hudson Falls. Um, Steve Winkler is my pork farmer. He's up uh, uh, Rodman, just outside of, of Watertown. You know, I need what is especially when it comes to to protein i need some something that would be referred to this is a i think a phrase i made up big small farm you know so i need i need a pork farmer that can that can keep up with me but i want to be able to talk to him so i need to know the owner i need to be able to visit the farm i need to be able to ask questions Um, and even even crescent farm my duck farmer down on long island he's one of these a very large farm um, but I can still call Doug Corwin on a cell and, you know, hey, what are they eating? Yeah. yeah, you know, ask any questions I need to ask. That's, that's, so I look for a big, small farm. Yeah. Um, when it comes to produce, I don't have to go very far. Mm-hmm. I've got great produce within 15, 20 minutes of right. Utica. And yeah. so, you know, everybody should have produce that close. Yeah. Um, Especially when you mentioned like the, you know, lemons and limes, you know, it's something you can't get. But I think of the work not just the like faint things I've heard coming out of Cornell, but especially people that are now building pretty substantial hoop houses yeah. to be able to grow just about anything that you could want to, right? depending on how well you control it and what environment you make sure. in there. And extend the season. Yeah. It'll be pretty interesting, I think, in 10, 20 years to see what actually can be grown locally. 
I don't know if that's right or wrong, but it'll be interesting to see. What well, I, I, I don't think that I don't think that it's certainly not wrong. You mm-hmm. know, I mean, to, to see um, there's a there's a really cool uh, um, farmer in, in Utica named Joe Pizzo that he's producing, you know, a lot of experimental stuff. He's growing pawpaw and and uh, um, things that are indigenous to the United States, but not this far north. Um, sea buckthorn berries and this is really interesting he's got this really experimental plot i'm actually going to go check it out next week i haven't been over to see him but he could be a good a conversation for you someday yeah. but you know yeah you you ha- well to be a farmer in this area especially produce you really have to kind of think outside the box you know and you've got to have a hoop house you've got to have a high tunnel you know you've got it because man especially with the way the climate is changing believe it or not like it or or, or not things are changing with the climate and to be a farmer, you really have to be adaptable. You know, the springs have been strange, you know, they're awful wet. You know, this year was a real tough year and it turned out to be a great summer from a growing perspective, but the spring was tough and and a lot of farmers couldn't keep the seeds in the ground. You know, they're rotting, they're flooding, they're whatever. And, and uh, so now you got to be able to extend the season. Thank God for the, 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 uh, September we've had, but you got to have the high tunnels and you got to have the hoop houses. Yeah, that's crazy. Otherwise, you're not making money. It's amazing. The um, I don't know of another profession that is as difficult as a farmer. I, I mean, can't think of one. Not not restaurant tour is close. <laughs> <laughs> really close. Right. I've been I've loved the fact there's been three things that I've gotten into in the past you know two years that have really. St- started four things have really started to change my perspective on what I eat. And, um, the first is Dan Barber's, the third plate just blows me away. I mean, it started with his episode of the chef's table on Netflix that led me into the book, into the book. But I mean, that's just absolutely wild. Um, this, the second thing was I did a seven day vegan challenge a few months ago and, it's not that big of a deal. It's seven days, but to think just putting myself in that mindset of being very cautious of what you're consuming. Yeah. And I got to talk with Joel from strong hearts and sit down with him for a few minutes and talk to some other people that I'm, uh, I know that are, have been, you know, vegans for a while that started to kind of shift my thinking of, all right, you know, the whole farm animal industry. Yeah. But then these two documentaries recently, one of them I think is like the biggest little farm or something like that. I haven't watched that yet. Yeah. Um, it's but I've heard a lot about it. Yeah. It's great. It really yeah. is great. And the uh, the fourth thing, I just watched it and it's, um, oh, geez, what the hell is the name of it? Uh, the guy that did the McDonald's documentary like a decade ago. Oh yeah. Yeah. I forget the name of that thing. Super size me. That guy. Yeah. yeah. Just watch it. But he did something recently. He just did part two yesterday. Oh really? And in it, he, he sets out to create his own fast food restaurant in Columbus, Ohio. Uh, that's just chicken based. So it's like a Chick-fil-A. Okay. And he goes through the whole documentary goes through, everything from his meetings with these high level brand companies and, you know, marketing companies to, you know, his wording and colors and, you know, don't use the F word fried, only use crispy. And they developed this crispy grilled chicken sandwich (laughs) that is a deep fried chicken sandwich, but then they paint 
uh, grill marks on it with charcoal <laughs> um, right before, like on the line, right before it gets put on a bun and gets really? sent out. And Wait, is it breaded? It's breaded, deep fried. And, and then, then <laughs> they, they have the spatula that they made that they put on top of the chicken breast, get a paintbrush that's in charcoal and paint like the stripes on it real quick, that's flip so it, bizarre. paint more stripes and then put it on the bun. But it's all the psychology that he learned of if somebody sees the grill marks, then they it's feel like healthier. it's healthy, right? And so he didn't set out to open a healthy restaurant. He set out to kind of expose the things that the fast food and probably just not just fast food, but the rest commercial restaurant yeah. industry does and and exposes their things like everything has a golden halo around the word on the menu to make it seem like it's healthy and everything's green and the, you know, and like the Chipotle, all the cups, the font is handwritten. Yeah. But it's funny, all of the messaging that he has, all the branding inside the restaurant, you'll see like the halo and you'll see the green and like fresh is like blown up and, you know, sustainable is blown up and sure. cage free, you know, all that. Kind so of stuff. many taglines. Right. But then on the cup and on these different signs on the tables, it says like the real message, like, hey, actually that halo that you saw makes you, f we did that on purpose to make you feel like it's healthy, but guess what? This is a deep fried chicken sandwich you're <laughs> eating. And then it even says the grill marks we just painted on two minutes ago with charcoal. They wow. wasn't actually grilled. So these people are kind of reading it and see, like as they're sitting there eating And they're sandwich, filming this whole thing, they're watching the, the revelation, thing. right? Wow. And I got to check that out. Is yeah, it on Netflix? It's on Netflix. Might but, watch tonight's movie night for us. Yeah. So might, might watch that tonight. I rented it for six bucks, you know? <laughs> oh, it's not a freebie yet. You, no, it's not a freebie. I'm okay. sorry. It's not on Netflix. Uh, oh. It's on iTunes. Oh, okay. It's on iTunes. Gotcha. So you can rent it for six. You can buy it for, tw for 20. But sure. it's uh, the biggest thing that blew me away from it. And it is a documentary, and so you do, like, I do have to understand they are steering that in the way they want it to. Of course, yeah. But one of the things, and I forget which state he was in, he ultimately decided that he had to buy his own chicks and raise his own chickens, and that's what he did. He went and rented a whole space from another chicken farmer, and um, they helped him do it, but he went and bought... Uh, went to a specific, you know, breeding place and bought like thousands of chickens and they were hatched and then they transported them to this farm. Really? And he, you know, he did helped. he actually serve though? Uh, yeah. So those were, it wasn't the just a marketing stunt. They film from him purchasing, like seeing the eggs hatch to then purchasing them, to bringing them to the farm, to then this process of them growing Wow. to then the plant the processing plant come in at night to pick the chickens up to take them to the processing plant so they show everything but them being processed and he's going through the regulations in it of how he wants of how he wants it to not he wants it to be cage free um uh like roaming free roaming chicken yeah, like free range, free range thank yeah. you and according to the usda laws regulations the only thing so you know you've seen the chicken yeah. houses before right you know long windowless oh, yeah. door right the only regulation to call your chickens free range is to open the door up a certain amount and to make uh an like 
an outdoor space that's let's say five feet wide by three feet deep that's, that's caged maddening. in. And you could have twenty thousand chickens in there, but they just need that little space where they could walk outside. If they got out of their cages. Right. And that is what they consider. That's all you have to do to be considered. That's a range. damn shame. And no one comes out to to like inspect right. it. Yeah, of course not. Um, it's absolutely insane. And there's similar things when you look at the big boxes of of organics. Mm-hmm. You know, the regulations on organic eggs or organic chickens. You know, yeah. Just find a farmer and get it locally because you're being hoodwinked in a lot of in a lot of ways. You yeah, know? a lot's changed in the last decade. Mm-hmm. You know, and and don't get me wrong. You know, certified organic farms and things like that. Th- there's a place for that, and mm-hmm. we need that. We need to make sure that we're providing opportunities for people to right. source food that they feel good about. But if you're going to Price Chopper and you're looking strictly for organic, mm-hmm. then you should look beyond that to yeah. see what it is that goes into that organic granola right. or, uh, you know, and one thing that really blows my mind is organic bananas. <laughs> Show me that tree. Right. You know what I mean? Like I think banana trees have to be fairly like mature yeah. to produce fruit. Right. I don't know. I've, I've never, you know, but really mm-hmm. organic bananas, yeah. you know, like what's different? Because yeah. when was that tree planted <laughs> and, and how is it producing? And, you know, my wife has this list of things that like you really want to pay attention to with organics, you know, when feeding children and then things that it's like, you know, don't get so worked up. And one of the things is bananas. They said, don't get too worked up about a non-organic banana. Um, you know, it has a thick skin. It's not being sprayed with a pesticide really, you know, so... And we eat, you know, I have kids. We eat a lot of bananas in our house, yeah. and I just will not pay for the organic bananas. Oh, yeah. It's so far away. Like, they came from a place, you know, certainly there aren't local bananas. No, not at all. They came from a place a long ways away. How, how can I know? Yeah. You know? How can and I know about an organic banana? And why would I pay twice the price? And who is looking at that? Tell me Tell me who is looking at that. Because yeah. it's, it's still... You got the dole and you got the dole. Right. They're both, you know. Yeah. The only thing that's different is there's a bunch of plastic wrapped around <laughs> the, the organic ones, right? Yeah. And so that whole, that whole concept of, and I said taglines earlier, yeah. you know, it's just like those, chi- those eggs that you talked about or the chickens, you know. The, the regulations are, are, to call them gray would be a major understatement, yeah. you know. And I don't even, I don't even, I just... I don't want to educate myself that much on it. I just want to find another local farmer and shake his hand and talk to him and, and come to the farm. And if they have a certified or organic stamp, great. But I don't need that. I just need to shake a hand and walk through the fields and talk about how you handle the weeds or, or how you handle the, the pests or, or how, you, how you handle the, the feeding or the slaughter or whatever, whatever they're producing. I want to understand the... the the situation, what you struggle with, you know. I'm really happy there's this farm, a guy up just on Onondaga Hill, which is 15 minutes from here. His name is Charlie. He has a farm called CBG Farms. And uh, he processes, I forget how often, but uh, he just does cattle and he processes one every so often and then gets it packaged up and 
took one of his little tiny shacks and can put a freezer in there. And it's pretty funny because you walk up and it's like a dingy beat up farm. Uh huh. And you're like, am I going to get murdered here? <laughs> and then you walk into his little shack and there's, it's like a hipster's paradise in this little, I mean, it's like the size of this table, you know? I mean, it's just tiny and there's a counter and a freezer and, you know, he has his pricing out there. Serve yourself sort of a thing. Yeah, pretty much. Um, like I think you ring a bell and somebody will come okay. running. Uh, but Charlie had been tweeting at me for, you know, it's funny, like this farmer's on Twitter. Uh, but he'd been tweeting at me and he was like, you need to do more for farms. And so I went up there and met him and I bought a box and he wound up, at, wound up actually joining the card. So, you know, people can use it up there. Cool. But you go up there and he gave me a tour of the whole facility and he was like, here's what we do and here's what we feed them. And here's my family that takes care of them. And you know, it's just, that's what matters. Yeah. And 15 minutes away from Sarah, downtown Syracuse. It's not, you know, hours away right. and, or anything like that. And, you know, it's funny because he'll kind of say things on his Instagram account. He'll post. Uh, he, he's like, I just saw a, a local cattle farmer posting that the uh, they don't give their animals anything. They don't give them any, you know, medicine or hormones or anything like that. And he's like, you must really not care about your animals if you're not even giving the medicine. Right. You know, so he kind of, it's funny because from time to time, he'll just make these posts of like, this is really how you take care of an animal. And, you know, no, we're not organic, but we're still treating them well and taking care of them. Sure. You know, but you can just go up there and buy steak from him. Right. You know, see how he does it. Sure. It's great. That's what's important. It's, you know, what I do a lot of talking about the mission and the concept of my business. No worries. So I, I talk a lot about the mission of it, you know, and people, one question is, well, what's farm to table? Yeah. And I guess I don't think it's that far fetched of an idea, but mm -hmm. I, uh, some people still do want to define it. And f so the way I've decided to break it down, at least for central New York is it's how our grandparents did it. You know, we are only at the most two generations divorced from farm to table my grandparents did not grow up with a hannaford mm -hmm. or a walmart right and neither did yours yeah now my son's grandparents will have grown up with a supermarket yeah. well even my dad you know it's it's a lot's changed in his lifetime but that's what farm to table is to me is the opposite of getting everything in one place and when you bring that to a restaurant, it's the opposite of Cisco pulling up and unloading everything once a week. <laughs> and that's how a lot of restaurants do it. And that doesn't make those bad restaurants. No. But 40 vendors a week pull up to the tailor and the cook at all hours of the day and night and unload their wares. And we know them. That's what farm to table is. Just the way that you and I are talking today is the way that I can talk to any one of my farmers. We probably don't have as... as defined of a space and time for it yeah. but and a lot of it's either email text or, or phone calls but i do visit the farms when i can and and that's what farm to table is it's knowing somebody yeah. and getting answers to questions that you might have that's all yeah. and beyond that it's 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 a very elementary concept of know the person who produces the food that you put in your mouth to nourish your mind and your body and your soul and that's it yeah. and 
we just do it on a little bit bigger of a scale so that we can, you know, feed 400 people a week. And, um, that's all I ever really wanted to do, you know, was just provide up. And so the motto or the, the slogan for the restaurant is to provide a path to the farmers who we do business with. I loved one of the, uh, you know, when I have a guest on, I just Google the heck out of them sure, sure. and try and go 10 pages deep if I can. And I love that for the tailor and the cook because it kept going. And uh, the results, there's some people, it's like I find the same information on every page. But there is a video, I th- I'm ass- I know, well, it was on your YouTube channel for Utica Bread. Okay. And it was one of them where it was like uh, interviewing some of the customers there's one guy that said they live, you know, 30 minutes, 20 minutes away, whatever it is, and how he'll stop in there one, two times a week to get bread because it's not going to sit there and be shelf stable for two or three weeks like right. it will be in the supermarket. Right. You know, it's good for two or three days and great. And But he said, this is where we come to get our pastries and our bread, and then we go here to get this and there right. to get that. and. Yeah, that's, you know, that my grandparents, my, exactly. my dad growing up, that's what they did. And it's a much different time. Yeah. You can't expect everybody to do that. Right. I don't do that. Mm. I went to Hannaford this morning to get some groceries that we needed. <laughs> I have to, you know, yeah. we don't live in a, in a, in a world that is, is uh, it's, not a, it's not a storybook. But, you know, f- there's enough options these days with farmers markets and local producers especially here in syracuse you know i mean if if, if you want good bread you can get it yeah. you want good meats you know i mean you might have to travel a little you might have to go out to side hill farmers but you can find a good local butcher you know yeah. and 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 it has to food has to be a priority yeah to some people it is and to some people it isn't yeah and that doesn't make like i said about the restaurants i got friends that don't give a hoot about their you know where they source their food and i love them just the same you know, and they'll come to my restaurant too. Not everybody that comes to my restaurant comes because it's local. Yeah. They come because it's good. Yeah. They come because it's a good experience. It's where they can celebrate their anniversary and they know they're going to be well taken care of. Yeah. You know, they, they come because the, the service, that's one of the things that really sets us apart is the service that we provide is, is head and shoulders above what anybody else yeah. does. You know, it's funny. I was going through even like reviews last night and there was like, 700 four or five star reviews there was this one two star review got to read the ones and the twos <laughs> yeah. man you got to read them and you see my did you see any of my yeah. responses oh, yeah i read your I'm response. The best. <laughs> i am the best passive aggressive yeah. responder to that right. stuff you got to respond to that yeah stuff. you do give yeah. me something constructive that i can do better and give me a two-star review give me a one-star Tell me what I did. But if you're going to go on there and you're going to say something uh, and you're going to take my business's name in your hands, <laughs> then give me something I can do better. Yeah. Don't just bullshit me. Mm-hmm. Don't just blast me. Yeah. This is my life's work. Right. This is my family. Yeah. We are obviously trying hard. Like if you, even if you didn't like what you, what you experienced at the tail end of the cook, you would have to really have your eyes closed to not see how hard we're trying, you know? So give me a two star, give it to me. I can handle it, but give me something to grow from. And if you don't, I will respond, you know, (laughs) I will respond in, in the same manner that you, you responded to my business. Yeah. 
uh, it was a trip advisor where you can separate things and you know they had given like one or two and everything except for the service they had best service we've ever had and then they did their thing and that's good you know maybe it just you know the food isn't for everybody my portions aren't huge so right. that's one thing that gets me mm-hmm. you know my portion if i if you're eating protein at the tailor and the cook whether it be fish or meat yeah you're gonna get about six ounces right um more protein than that is um not good. It's not good for the, the body. Yeah. And it's not how I want to present yeah. the food that I serve. This is not Delmonico's. Right. You know, this is not a, a Longhorn Steakhouse, mm. you know? Yeah. Um, we are a vegetable-focused restaurant that mm. serves protein. Yeah. That's the way I like to look at it, yeah. you know? Um, and I want, I want it to be that way, you know? So there, that's one of the things that small, well, I left hungry. Well, no, no, <laughs> maybe, maybe you should have had dessert, you know, because you wouldn't leave hungry. Yeah. We asked. Right. We said no. If you just had an entree <laughs> and a glass of water, then maybe you left hungry. Yeah. That's not my fault. Yeah. Maybe it was out of your budget. That is my, well, that's not my that's fault not either. Fault. Yeah. You know, um, you get what you pay for with yeah. us, you know, I was, value is a word that I preach to my staff a lot about mm-hmm. somewhere along the line value became like equated with cheap. Yes. And it still is. I mean, but it's, yeah. but that's it. Look it up. You know, if you, if we, if we looked up the definition of value, that's not what it means. Right. Value does not mean cheap value means. Did you receive goods and or services in line with what you paid for them that's what a value is if you paid a hundred dollars for a pair of shoes and they lasted you for five years that's a good value if you paid a thousand dollars for a tv that you've had for 10 years and still looks good that's a good value if you bought a house for a hundred thousand dollars in a in a neighborhood where things are appreciating that's a good value somewhere along the way that word became like you know you see it even in like the grocery stores like name brand is like great value that means dirt cheap, yeah. right? And so one of the things that I think we provide at the tailor and the cook is value. Well, listen, for what, I mean, your entrees are between 30 and what? Between 30 50? and 40 for the most part. So for, let's say, $55, if I have a drink and the tip and the, all that, for $55, I can pay you to go to 40 different local uh, you know, providers, farmers, growers, all that stuff, source all of that and then prepare my food and then have you also hire someone to serve me that right. food. I think that's a pretty good value. And have music playing, right. a comfortable seat, a, 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 an interesting atmosphere. You know, like I just feel like sometimes and, and I'm kind of hovering around the whole uh, the review thing. You know, like these people, the, the day and age that we live in has changed things and people are very quick-tongued. And, and I just wish, like... I write some reviews every now and again. I, I generally only ever write a positive review. If I have a negative review, I'll sometimes send a, an email you know, directly to them and just be like, this was what the deal was. But I look at it differently because that's my life. Yeah. You know, that's, my, that's how I feed my children. Yeah. So handle it with care. You know? like, I'm trying really hard. I don't, I don't hit the nail on the head 100 times out of 100. But if you can't see how hard I'm trying then please just look a little closer. You know what I mean? I mean it's, it's not your average restaurant. Uh, two of my favorite stories of restaurant owners handling uh, reviews is uh, Cody over at Diffie 
had a one-star review on Google. And he saw it, I think the story goes, he saw it like at night. It just really affected him. And so he decided to go and not only just kind of look and see who that customer was, but to see what other things they had also reviewed. Generally, they're all poor reviews. Right. And they were at any restaurant Cody said he would have found himself going to. But at the Taco Bell and McDonald's, they were five-star excellent reviews. <laughs> and then Kyle at uh, Kasai Ramen, in uh, the same night, two different guests. Um, one, you know, I don't know if you've ever seen Kyle or met him before, but no, Kyle's, a, Kyle's a white guy from Philly. Uh-huh. And he's, you know, doing ramen over here in Syracuse and, and pretty good ramen as well. I've heard a lot of good things. I haven't been there yet. Yeah, it's pretty legit. Um, and, or I need to stop saying that about ramen because, you know, we're not in Japan. So, <laughs> so it's not legit, right. but it, I love white people love to put like legit authentic on yeah. so many ethnic things. They really do. <laughs> they really do. We've never been right. Um, and yet I say it all the time. I know I do too. Yeah. I just actually got into it on Facebook because there's this where Syracuse eats Facebook page. And there's so many people that go on there and just bash these local spots. And this one guy went on there and bashed because I was like, it's the most unauthentic ramen I've ever had. And he's a white guy. And I'm like, well, how long did you live in Tokyo? You know, like, yeah, like, where did you live? Were you did you live in Beijing for a time and, you know, had some. Right. Uh, and then I just called it legit ramen and I've never been to Tokyo before. The most legit I get is New York City. So, right. Yeah, sure. But Kyle has one night this guest a student from SQ who's from China asked to see the owner and the waitress goes back and says, Hey, there's a, you know, gentleman out here wants to talk to you. And the guy goes out there, Kyle goes out there and the guy said, you know, did you live in Japan? You know, are you, you know, where did you train? And Kyle's like, just kind of figured it out, you know, started learning and, you know, figured out. He's like, this is the best ramen I've ever had. And that same night, a white couple said it was the worst ramen they'd ever had and not authentic or anything like that. Well, thank God for the people that do say the things that they feel that are, that are good, you know, because Kyle and me would have gone mad years ago, you know, because there really are at least 10 or 15 people for everyone. And maybe more like 50 or 60 for everyone. Most people leave happy, you know, and they tell you and thank God for that. Because the, 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 I'm better at it. I'm eight years in. I'm, I'm, I've got skin of steel, you know, <laughs> and I make a little game out of it. If you, if you might not yeah. have seen that in my, <laughs> in my responses, but, um, I know that I'm doing good work. I know that people like it. Yeah. I know that I, I'm, what's important to me is important to the business and it's mission driven. And at the end of the day, I'm not making a ton of money, but we are are walking the walk and talking the talk, and that's what's always mattered to me. And I make a good living, you know, and and, uh, and people like it. Yeah. I haven't had to change course. Thank God, you know. I mean, I've really been able to do what we set out to do, and then expand upon it. Yeah, yeah. The, those places of experience, um, you know, I'll just sing their praises night and day. I just went to Eden last week, and I couldn't. I mean, I can't say enough great things about that dinner and that meal. That's cool. I mean, just absolutely amazing. Well, he's got, that's a, a, an adventurous concept. And, um, 
I wish him a lot of luck. You know, Rich worked for me for a short yeah, time. Yeah, I was just going to say, Rich was out there. Yeah. Um, I love the idea of cooking over wood. I mean, that's... I love to cook over wood. Yeah. I don't know if I would have the guts that Rich has to tackle it. Yeah, that's um, But I can't wait to eat there. The practicality um, of it. I mean, I went there. It was a late night. Uh-huh. I think I got in there at like 8. And I sat at the bar. And I sat at like the seat closest to their kitchen. So I see some pictures. You can see it, right? Yes. Like you're, if you're at the bar, you're almost at the kitchen, aren't you? Yeah. Cool. Um, especially the seat. I sat. I made sure I was in that last seat that was closest to the kitchen. Uh-huh. And there weren't a lot of people there. But like I said, it was pretty late uh, for the for dinner crowd. And I mean, I was sitting from where I am maybe three or four feet away. I mean, if I stretched, I could have, you know, had a conversation and, you know, shake his hand. And... The heat that was, I never in a million years would have thought the practicality of having open flame in yeah. a restaurant and the heat that that would generate in sure. there. But I mean, you could feel like you're sitting at a campfire. Right. And right. Just absolutely insane. And I've got to tell you, man, that, I mean, I love going into places where someone knows what they're doing in the kitchen and knows me. Yeah. Because I ordered like his uh, ember roasted flanks or hanger steak. And he gets the ticket and he goes, that's all you're getting? He goes, you're just getting a steak? And I was like, I will have whatever you think I should have. How's that? And, you know, he wound up get, sending out this, you know, his chicken sausage dish and uh, along with the um, the steak and I had dessert. And, but, I mean, everything was just unreal. And I don't know what he did to these potatoes, but they was the best damn potato I've ever had in my entire life. No kidding. That's cool. And it was just smashed potatoes. Yeah. How it's, yeah. you know, but... Just absolutely unreal. Well, cooking over an open flame is by far the most elemental way to affect the quality of what you're you're cooking. I don't do much over an open flame in my restaurant, well, over a gas flame, but um, we do some stuff, some smoking and stuff, but uh, that, you know, like cooking over a fire at my house or if we're going camping, I mean, that is the most primal way to, to be producing your food and i love that i'm 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 on on some levels i'm very envious of what he's tackling on other levels i'm i'm just happy to do what i do you know um it's hard enough and uh, that seems really really challenging i wish him a lot of luck (laughs) so i'm i'm always curious about like a restaurant like yourself uh at the tailor and the cook for scalability i mean I guess one question I have is what's your ultimate goal with the restaurant? Is it to maintain what you have or is it to, is there like a hope to grow it to a two, 300 seat? Absolutely not. Um, I think you said it maintain. Um, my ultimate goal is I've already achieved it on some levels. I just said it, you know, I've, I've been able to operate the same restaurant for eight years. The, it has changed a little bit, but I haven't had to change it too much. And every change has been for the positive. That's unreal. Um, Eight years. Yeah, I feel like I know what that. I'm doing. Yeah. I'm not there yet. I've not achieved success, but I'm happy with where we're at. And Could I ask what, what I mean, what do you, how do you view as success for what you're doing there? Well, I make a good living. I put food on the table. I'm finally starting to find some balance for me personally. That's huge. Um, That's massive. I can step away from the restaurant. 
um, which for the first six years I could not. Um, opening Utica Bread helped me to be able to step away from the restaurant, but I was stepping away from the restaurant to run another business. Um, and now I find I, I can walk away. I've got the greatest staff in the, the city of Utica, and I'll tell you the state of New York, um, and I'll put them up against anybody. And they got heart and soul. They're there for the right reasons. And I can trust them if I need to step away. That said, you can't take your hands off the, the wheel, you know, because especially when a restaurant like ours, uh, people kind of gun for us, you know, like when you're number one on TripAdvisor and, you know, you, you land the, the big awards that we've been so fortunate to land from Derona and from Open Table Top 100. And, and well, that sets the bar. And then everybody, you know, or that, that place is the fence, right? And then people swing for the fence. And why shouldn't they? You know, that, that, why shouldn't they swing for me? Because we've worked hard, and so they're going to come after us. And, and, and I'm, I'm totally okay with that, but I can't take my hands off the wheel or my foot off the gas, for, so to speak. So I step away, but uh, I'm very much, you know, it's my life's work. And, and so I think to some extent I've achieved some success when we can pay off all the, the bills, the debt. Um, I'm not debt-free. You know, you put money back in, you go, you remortgage, you, you know, got to do this. You got to, it's, it's amazing how, how much money has to be put back in, whether it's the floor or the plumbing or the chairs or the air conditioning. Um, I think success for me is to continue doing what I'm doing. I've got a couple of really cool changes um, to the way we are operating the kitchen coming up in the next quarter. Nothing like monumental, but I'm changing the way that I view local sourcing and local cooking based on the way the market has changed in the damn near decade that I've been doing it. So we're going to make some tweaks to, to our food service program for the better based on availability of sustainable products that I've been hungering for. The cheeses are better. The produce is better. The season is longer. There are more unconventional farmers doing it 365 days a year, whether it's hydroponic or aquaponic or indoor. Um, the diversity is better. The quality is infinitely better. The growers take it more seriously because there's more demand for the product that they produce. And so to continue to do what I've always done would be a great injustice to the whole food shed as a whole. You know, um, our local food economy has gotten so much better. I want to change with that, you know, and I want to be adaptive to that. But on most levels, I've succeeded at least. Success will be something that I see in the rear view, I think, but I'm happy. I found balance. I make a good living. The restaurant's busy. I've got a great staff. 99% of the customers are thrilled with what we do. I love the city of Utica. I love being there. What more could I ask? You know, that's huge. It really is. I think finding, I think finding happiness in this industry is probably one of the most challenging things. And along with that, the balance, Yeah, you know, well, there's a lot of unhappy people in the hospitality industry, which is a really, you know, I'm in the business of providing happiness, right? Via food, beverage, and good service. And that's what a restaurant does. But there's a lot of unhappy people in my business. 
and you just said it, you know what I mean? There's, but there's, you know, there's drugs and alcohol, yeah, and yeah. gambling and right. philandering and yeah. all the fun stuff is right there, right. you know? And so, to, yeah, I'm, I, to be happy is to be a good dad and a good husband and run a good restaurant is so hard. And I feel like I'm, some days I suck at it, you know, and you know what suffers? It's not always the restaurant. It's my family side of things. But um, for the most part, my wife and I have got it pretty well figured out. And I'm really proud of that. There's the, you know, I feel like maybe it just as I've spent more time in the industry, but I feel like culturally it's, it's happened as well. And that's the transparency of the restaurant industry and hospitality industry. And obviously you have things like, you know, the food network and you have your celebrity chefs sure. and, you know, Anthony Bourdain's, you know, revealing book, you know, over a decade ago, things like that, that opened up the world to what happens in the industry. But as you get more connected, you know, you have more chefs now and owners running their Instagram and social media accounts right. and doing their own right. branding. There is a time maybe just about a year ago where... I was out doing a video featuring a local restaurant and chef, and the chef said in the video, well, obviously, we're the best. I think I had asked him what had changed now that they had done something. And he said, well, obviously, everyone knows that I'm the best around, and I make the best food, and we have the best restaurant, and, uh, but now we're going to be the best in cocktails because I'm in charge of the cocktail menu. And I just thought to myself, what an arrogant thing to say. And then as I got home and I was in, I was editing that video, I thought to myself, well, that's kind of par for the course. I feel like in a lot of these, you know, kind of chef driven restaurants and, you know, and anywhere really, you know, that's just kind of how it goes. And, you know, then there was like another encounter, like no one, like this person wasn't responding to anything, like any emails or trying. And I was like, well, I guess that's kind of par for the course in this industry, you know. I like I grew up and I wouldn't say sheltered whatsoever. Um, but definitely not in, you know, a very uh um I, you know, didn't grow up with like a lot of shocking things happening. And so nowadays even if I like hear of, oh, this person does this, it's like, "What?" <laughs> Excuse like that's happening? That's real? In a restaurant? But it is the restaurant industry. These things happen. It's a crazy way of life, you know. Yeah. But those things, you know, arrogance and, and uh, unprofessionalness, those shouldn't be the norms, you know. Right. Like I said, I think I said before we started talking to, or taping here that, like, you open a business to be the best. Why, why else would you? But if you are the best or if you perceive yourself the best, then the best thing you could do is is to be humble and, and recognize that, I mean, every time I go out to eat, no matter what, I'm looking for not necessarily to rip off ideas, but just to, to one, here's a perfect example. One of the things that I pride myself, it's such a tiny little thing. If we put a, 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 a dish of ice cream on a plate, the doily, if you will, underneath his recycled menu. I did not come up with that idea. I picked it up from a restaurant in Nantucket. But I was like, oh my God, we have we print our menus every day. Mm -hmm. We have so much paper. Oh, sure. And and I I was like, why we could use this, you know? And so 
you put it face up, mm-hmm. right? So that people can see yeah. that it's piece of the menu, hmm. piece of the wine menu, piece of the beverage menu, piece of the dinner menu. And it generates so much conversation. Really? I didn't come up with that. Hmm. And if I'm going to be printing all this paper, I should try to get a second life out of it, right? Mm-hmm. And and so when I go to other restaurants, I'm just looking for what they do well mm-hmm. and or what they're not doing well to remind me that I am doing it well, yeah. right? That's huge. This bathroom is disgusting. Mm-hmm. This is why my bathroom is not disgusting, right? Right, you know? Or, or the music in here is, you know, the, one of the biggest pet peeves in a restaurant is if there is no music or it's not loud enough. Hmm. I can actually deal with it being too loud. I'm young. I like music. I yeah. actually enjoy loud music. So mm-hmm. I don't mind that. But if there's not enough mm-hmm. filling a space when I'm trying to dine or like enjoy myself, I get wicked uncomfortable. And, mm-hmm. I, and I think to myself, how could they not notice how freaking weird it is in here? You know, like I can hear this guy's conversation and I'm afraid to like yeah. let loose or, or just be comfortable because they, they didn't. And that's why I just, so I, I'm like, I'm glad my music is right. I'm glad that the, 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 the volume is right. I'm glad that the temperature is right. I'm glad that this, the, the, if the seat cushions warm out that I recognize that and I, I, I got it fixed, mm-hmm. you know, I'm glad that the, the, door handle that fell off the men's room door the other night got fixed immediately so it didn't keep happening you know this stuff happens yeah and and i just want to make sure that every little part part of it is is thought of and so if i purport to be the best well i better like really mean that and then just not talk about it but just show it you know so you always it's always got to learn you're always learning I learned from the people that work for me. I've learned from the, the people that would be considered my competition, I guess, you know. Always learning, always expanding, always trying to be better, you know. Yeah. Well, Tim, thank you so much for yeah, coming out here and being this on was the podcast. This was great. Yeah, man, for sure. I don't uh, need too many excuses to make a trip to, to Syracuse. <laughs> I love it here. So There you go. I'm headed over to see my friend David at uh, Syracuse Salt after this. Oh, nice. Yeah. That salt that they have is... I'm using the salt. I just haven't seen the facility. So I told him I was going to be here talking to you, and he said, well, come on by. Yeah. I mean, it's hard. I've had really great salt before. My friends went out to Oregon and brought me back, like, this kind of big sampler pack from, I think it's called Jacob's Salt Company. Yeah, I've heard of them. And great. Absolutely phenomenal. And I never really thought about salt until I had this stuff. Holy cow. My Salt has a flavor, and it's not just salt. Right. You know, there's, there's other things to it. Rich put it on top of the steak I had the other night, and my God, oh, yeah. I mean, when I was at the fair at the Wegman's kitchen, Mark had a bag of it, and I just like took some on my finger, and I was like, "This is amazing." It really is. Yeah. And I bought it. I David was coming through Utica for something, and and dropped me off a couple bags just in time for tomatoes, and uh, I feel like this is. It's also been a really good tomato year. Um, and I've got great farmers that are producing just the best tomatoes. And then I, I brought the Syracuse flake into it and, uh, <laughs> I just feel like it's been the best tomato year ever. So I'm going over to see, see how it all comes together. That's awesome. Yeah. I'm yeah. excited. Well, tell him I said, hi, I sure will. All right. Thanks, thanks for having me, man. Yeah. Well, there it is. There it is. There it is. Thank you so much for checking out the Eat Local CMY podcast. Do us a huge favor. Hit that subscribe button and leave a review. 
to let me know what you think of the Eat Local CNY podcast. Don't forget this Friday, the 11th, our big party, 6 to 9 p.m. You can head over and get your tickets at eatlocalcny.com. Well, thanks so much, everybody. We're going to catch you at the next episode.